Hey everyone, welcome back to Vampire Weekday. Once again, I'm joined by my co-host Kevin, but this time in person again. We are live from Chicago, deep in Kevin's apartment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you guys can hear, um, there's a window unit going on in the background. Um, you know, we, we kind of go for a lo-fi thing. We, we understand that, you know, sometimes... I think we talked about this a couple episodes ago about how there is some sense in which you want to leave some imperfections in the work to give the people a sense that something's being done here. The work was completed. You know, of course, we could have the agency to do this in a recording studio because, frankly, we like you guys enough for that. But also we have to acknowledge that there is a certain beauty that if the dreams of becoming freelance music journalists were born as we drifted off to sleep, then what better place to do this? in my bedroom so folks welcome to my bedroom (laughs) (laughs) a very special episode (laughs) so today we have i think your contra off of vampire weekend's second album contra uh ender closer to the album uh and we were talking about it earlier probably the exception to the norm of vampire weekend having a sad song be the second to last song on the album and then the last song being a little more optimistic. Yeah, we flirted with this with, with Giant. Um, we talked about Giant, but yeah, if we look at LP1, there weren't any bonus tracks that like were officially part of the album. Um, Modern Vampires, there were none. Um, Father of the Bride was weird because they came significantly after and there were three of them. So this is kind of a unique situation where you're right, where there is a, there's a great sense of finality to this song, um, but it's somber. Um, and it's, it's, it's grand in many senses, but also rather fragile. Um, and yeah, just a little bit different as a way to end the album. Yeah, fragile, I think, is definitely a good word for it uh, in terms of instrumentation. Uh, you have the first time Vampire Weekend uses an acoustic guitar in the song. Um, you have a lot of more subtle African uh, beats and instrumentation going on. So it's definitely a different vibe than a lot of other Vampire Weekend songs. It fits very, very well with the album, and it's a great closer for Contra. Um, And with that being said, I think in terms of themes that are present within Contra, it goes hand in hand and wraps it up in a... uh, with some finality yeah absolutely because Ezra talked about in the greater sense of the album that the idea of contra we may have talked about this earlier the idea of contra is we have conflict but we're not explicitly saying who's right and who's wrong and I think that's a theme that manifests itself uh, throughout the album but it's kind of interesting here because as we'll get into these lyrics it feels as if our narrator is blaming the other party yeah. So it's, sure. it, it's interesting to to to, to, to juxtapose, as we, we say, the, the narrator is accusing the other party of being a contra. Um, we'd have to assume they don't view themselves in that same light. Um, and I guess I, well, I guess we'll get into that. But it's kind of a, I don't know what you thought about that. Yeah, it's it's definitely the song that is designed after uh, to talk about this relationship. Um, but yeah, I think at the root of it is that word contra, uh, just in this sense, I think it means against the norm, uh, contradicting the, the norm that you see. Mm-hmm. And I think that, uh, theme is present throughout the album. 
Um, we talk about how each of the songs on Contra tends to focus on a different issue within modern life, whether it's privilege, um, what were some of the other? Yeah, ones? run. We kind of talked about that kind of trying to get away sort of thing. And yeah. do we have the agency to get away? Um, but yeah, all, in, in all these songs, some sort of tension, you know, and yeah. you don't always have that in Vampire Weekend songs, but I think it's explored most fully uh, on this album. And so I think in this song, it closes it up by uh, focusing on this relationship where the narrator definitely did think the person was outside of those norms that he focuses on in the album, outside of that privileged environment, outside of um, the, the against the Iraq war <laughs> from, yeah. from uh, Holiday. Uh, so outside of the normal opinion, but it's revealed that that was all a lie. Uh, they thought he, they were a Contra, but in reality, they're not. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I think this song definitely is great in how it closes the book on the rest of the album. Mm-hmm. And it's weird because, you know, we, we've had this album explore some really complicated and interesting themes. And it feels weird for this song to, well, the album to end with a song that's likely a, just about a relationship. And, you know, the metaphor of, you know, using some sort of, grander or larger theme to describe a relationship is something that's been done before right and Mm -hmm. at first glance it almost seems like oh vampires done more complicated things than this and yet it's i don't want to say it's like a return to roots but it's kind of like an acknowledgement of the fact that they can do that and yet still have it reflect the rest of the album that was definitely more involved yeah I think now would be a good time for us to dive deep into why this album is called Contra. So I think there are many, many meanings that are attributed to Contra. And I think all of them are reasons that this was picked. So um, we can go through a few of them. But I did read at one point that this is... So the first obvious reference is to the Contra Revolutionaries mm-hmm. um, in... Was it Nicaragua, yeah, I believe? Nicaragua. Yeah, And um, so that's the first obvious one. And there were people who talked about for the Generation X, that's the first idea that comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you go to the next generation... The first idea is the video game Contra, yeah. which is just massively different. And my understanding is that's the canon answer. I'm I think he alluded to both. Yeah, I mean there's a there's a there's a there's a link to an interview here. Um, my understanding is that Ezra basically said, you know, he grew up in 84. Well, he was born mm-hmm. in 84, like video games come out in 87. Quote, there's not an explicit connection. So I guess that's there. The quote, the full quote is. There's not an explicit connection, but I did have a moment where I stopped and thought, wow, everybody my age, when you say Contra, thinks the video game, and everyone my parents' age thinks the counter-revolutionaries in Nicaragua. It couldn't be two more different things. So I guess I shouldn't say that it's not the canon answer, Yeah. but yeah, having, I mean, you can essentially just give equal weight to both of those things, frankly, which is kind of funny. Um, and naming this serious album after a video game, 
kind of alludes to, was it Lala a couple years ago where on the Father of the Bride tour, or I don't know where it was, but they basically opened their set by playing a punk three times. Oh yeah. That it was feels Lala. like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just trolling people a little. <laughs> yeah. The, the other illusion that I've heard you that the album references is there's a line in Bride Brideheads Revisited, um, which is the one of the characters says they are contramundum, which is against the world. And I think that fits really well in line with what we've just talked about with the themes of the album, how they're kind of finding their place in society, but also not wanting to be in society, wanting yeah. to be outside, wanting to be contra to society. So I, I think that really works. And there's definitely support to it when you think about the fact that um, the bonus track off of Vampire Weekend's first LP, um, Arrows, is a reference to Bright, Bright, a direct reference to Brighthead Revisited. So it's they're definitely familiar with this. And so I, I definitely think there's a lot of weight to that. And it, it makes sense for Vampire Weekend to make up heavy literature reference as we've seen in the mm -hmm. past. Yeah, it's it's funny because at this point, um, we already start to recognize the band is as realizing they can they can kind of go tongue in cheek with some of their criticisms. And yet, you know, there's there's definitely a sense on the first album where they feel like they're trying to set themselves apart. And yet by by going more into this contramundum thing, as you say, which is a lyric from California English, mm -hmm. obviously. Um, there's definitely a sense in which they're still trying to push that narrative. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Um, and then while we're talking about the album in general, I did want to bring up the fact that we were talking about earlier this morning how um, this album seems to be distinctly Rostam's. Yes, yes. And I think when, especially when you view Rostam's more current work some of the production styles and his own solo stuff um i think it's you're, you're right you're right because we look at father the bride as being more just ezra's pet project right mm -hmm. and it sounds really good um it's the reason i got into the band in the first place but then if you look at some of rostam's later work and the way like even on something like women in music part three which is definitely like rock focused like some of that production stuff you can feel it here, right? And there is a specific brand that he has. And it's it, like, I, like I just said, yeah, it, it definitely manifests itself here more so than any of the other albums, I think. Yeah. And so now I think we can dive deep into the lyrics a little. Um, so diving into verse one, I had a feeling once that you and I could tell each other everything for two months, but even with our oath, with truth on our side, when you turn away from me, it's not right. So I... I think this first verse is pretty cut and dry, just how he had faith in this relationship, how he thought that the other person was contra to society, mm -hmm. was with him. But in reality, um, they turned away from him and entered the mainstream of society. Yeah, I guess my, my immediate thought is, what are we talking about with an oath here? I mean, is that is, is that anything beyond they just like, said they wanted to be together or is there actually like you no, know i think it's an oath to be contra mundo you think so okay yeah. okay yeah, i think they're when you're riding that high and you're like 
we're caught we're against the world you and i were against the world yeah. i think that's what it was and totally like that's absolutely things we explore someone on reddit said this is this is an extension of diplomat's son but through that light you could totally see this as an extension of the themes explored and run yeah definitely i think it's there as well yeah i mean the whole album is pretty cohesive i would I would say this is the most cohesive Vampire Weekend album. Which is funny to say, because you and I both have this as our least favorite album, and, like, some of these songs are absolutely growing on me, but you're probably right. Yeah. Yeah. It. Yeah, I mean, the. it's hard, because I think the last three albums are cohesive in a certain sense. The first album is not. <laughs> the first album is just fun. It's just vignettes. But, um this one never strays from that connection while father of the bride we've talked about at times goes away from the themes and enters like autobiographical songs with stranger and such yeah. uh when the story of the album is this couple that gets married in a gold rush and falls apart mm-hmm. um, so stranger is definitely kind of out of place there in a certain sense when it directly references a real person Mm -hmm. so it the other albums kind of stray at times from that but this album knew what it was going for and was a direct response i think in a lot of ways to how society reacted to the first vampire weekend album you see things like cousins where it's uh directly fighting the critics of vampire Mm -hmm. weekend um and then just saying like we don't fit in a box we're not we're not meant to be the mainstream of society yeah so i i think that theme definitely flows throughout and is very very present in this song of course pretty simple um i think you're a contra um and then it's repeated a couple times um i i do want to take a second what are your thoughts on in the the title of the song uses you are for your spelling yes. wise. This is, as far as I'm aware, the only Vampire Weekend song that uses an improper spelling. And it's kind of mainstream in modern music to do that and to use lowercase. Mm-hmm. Um, like good for you is literally good. good and then four. the letter for or number no, four, four and then you the letter. Yeah. So it's very mainstream with the Billie Eilish and Olivia Rodrigo trend going, but this is the only one I'm aware of. Yeah, and you know it's funny. I really didn't think about it much until now, and it doesn't really. I mean, there's there's got to be a reason for it, right? But at surface level, it really doesn't seem to fit. Yeah, I honestly view Contra as kind of their like pop electronic album in a certain sense yeah okay. and i feel like the ur spelling feels more in tune with that than anything okay else. i think yeah i think that's that's that might be a good read of it um i'll take that i don't know i don't know much else to say on that front but yeah I'll maybe take it's that. a comment on how they've they've grown or gone even farther astray from proper grammar after oxford comma <laughs> now now just all rules are gone. Every day we stray further from God's light. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so verse two, my revolution thoughts, your little arrows of desire. I want to trace them to the source in the wire. Nice Heim reference there. Yeah. I, great, great song. Um, 
I initially read the wire as someone wearing a wire. Oh, I don't know what you thought. Oh, wow. My, my, I did my not get first that. read through is someone wearing a wire. Oh, okay. And, it, and almost, I thought it was like walking a wire, like walking a thin line. So that could be two. Um, my initial thought is just like, we review, we, we find out this person is not who we thought they were in the sense that like someone who's a double agent yeah. might not be. CIA planned. That's what I'm saying. Or... And reading that in the theme of some of the other songs on this album, that's where my mind went is yeah, that, that this person sense. is not only like not with me, but it's like potentially working actively against me. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, and if you I, view I that, that's a good read. And if you view that like in the, in the sense of like contra revolutionaries, um, you know, and, and the CIA's involvement there, I think, yeah, that's just where my mind went because it made a lot of sense to me at the time. Yeah. Um, the idea of walking a wire, though, I think it makes some sense too. Um, but I feel like that almost might be more of an attempt to save the relationship, mm-hmm. you know? And, and, and I guess when we read this whole thing again, my revolution thoughts, the little arrows of desire, I want to trace them to the source and the wire. Yeah, I guess the idea is like, what was your intent with everything you were doing? you know that's that's the read of it right there mm-hmm. to me yeah so what were their arrows of desire to jump into society again yeah i don't know um your little arrows of desire yeah maybe she wanted some parts of the relationship without like like you say being against the world or she didn't want all of it you know what i mean mm-hmm. um yeah that makes sense but it's not useful now since we've both made up our minds. You're going to watch out for yourself, and so will I. I heavy it, line. Yeah, it's a really heavy line. I think it's also pretty plainly read. Yeah. Um, that thing it's pretty straightforward. It's just like we try to do our thing, it's not working out, we're gonna go our separate ways. Yeah, um, agreed. As the wise man once said, loving you isn't the right thing to do. What's what's that from? Go your own way. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Rumors by Fleetwood Mac. Beautiful. beautiful I might just album. I might just spin it later. Yeah. yeah. And we're having a couple people over for a cookout after we record this. And if we just go front to back on rumors, I mean, I think you don't know some of these people yet, but that might actually be pretty good for the crowd. Yeah, that might be a vibe. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, folks, if you didn't know, me and Kevin are actually friends in real life, too. It's actually amazing. <laughs> I, I And that's why he's here. This isn't strictly a business trip. <laughs> <laughs> I flew in just to record. I'm flying out. <laughs> That'd be brutal. Yikes. <laughs> yeah, guys, if you didn't know, I actually fly in every week and we just don't mention it usually. <laughs> you know, our recordings in person might actually be more lo-fi than when we do them oh, 2,000 miles away. Yeah, 100%. We're just talking into a, we're just talking into a, computer. a computer right now. Yeah, usually we have the whole headphone set up, but sometimes you got to go lo-fi. It's like, it was like those TC episodes they recorded in the height of COVID where Jake was literally just talking into a computer. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when people call in, it's like really lo-fi. That's true, yeah. Uh, and then the new chorus where it was with some added lines, I think you're a Contra, and I think that you've lied. Don't call me a Contra till you've tried. Oh, so now he's getting kind of aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's almost like he's defending his honor. He's like, yeah. I'm in this. Like, you got to figure it out for yourself. I don't know. Yeah. It's, but you're right. He's, he's kind of his... having the realization that they're, they lied about this and they're not truly what they said they were. Mm-hmm. He feels like he's on his own. Yeah. 
you and then beautiful beautiful this bridge is amazing uh some of the best lyrics of vampire weekend you wanted good schools and friends with pools you're not a contra you wanted rock and roll complete control well i don't know so that first line definitely just screams those themes of when you're young a lot of times you're like oh i'm not like i don't want to be part of society i want to be different mm-hmm. i want to do my own thing but at a certain point a lot of people grow out of that and fall into that suburbia lifestyle yep. with where you're trying to find a good school for your kid you want to have some pools so you can have some pool parties where your friend your kids hang out with your friends kids and mm-hmm. such and at that point you've fully gone deep into society um it, it reminds me of the frank ocean line from uh siegfried uh classic notre dame <laughs> reference right there but um but it's uh, something along the lines of, I, I kind of want to go get a house with a pool, but I'm too afraid. Yeah, because it's scary. Because it's almost like if, this, if you're from that world, you buy a house, you're kind of giving up. You know what I mean? And it's not necessarily like giving up, giving up. But if, you're, if your thought was you want to be a little bit more extreme in the way you attack so some sort of societal issues, and all of a sudden you buy a house, you're like, oh my gosh, like. I'm, I'm quote unquote no better than everybody else yeah the exact line from that song was two kids in a swimming pool i'm not brave and so there's this concept of you you really have to at some point so so those are kind of contrasting themes because vampire weekend and this is saying they're they're not brave because they went to that lifestyle well frank ocean and his is saying if i was truly brave I would go into that lifestyle. I'd be content and settled. Oh, I didn't. I didn't read it like that. Um, the way I read it was, um, he's not brave. The Frank Ocean line, he's not brave oh. by by settling. He's like, I'm not brave enough. I'm not strong enough to go against the current. Huh. That's how I read it. So in that sense, I think they are the same theme. Just agree to disagree. Okay. Here. Okay. I don't again I don't you're, you're not a big Frank Ocean Nico's fan, though, been right? pushing Frank Ocean for a year and I'm like you know what you got me to do a podcast and now I love this fan but <laughs> maybe maybe if you maybe if you convince me to do a Frank Ocean podcast I'm Frank, Frank Ocean is ultimate sad boy hours although I don't know if we have the skills to do a Frank Ocean podcast because dissect podcast did um did both his albums oh, and really? they're deep they are intense. So the, again, they're deeper than Vampire Weekend. We've we've talked about this. We can't. We I don't want to step on anyone's toes by doing by doing this podcast. Dissect is so good at their. That's job. the thing. I, I can't jump on them. No, and we we wouldn't want to redo somebody else's work. We're not contributing to society's greater knowledge and thought by doing something that somebody else has done. But again, as we said before, to our knowledge, I don't think anyone else is doing a Vampire Weekend podcast in this exact vein. Yeah, I mean, I was at a wedding this weekend and two people recognized the, the podcast name when I brought it up. So yeah, we're we're deep in the community. Folks, we only, we only have like a dozen songs left and we're just we're just getting started. Yeah, they're, yeah, they, Vampire Weekend came up in conversation a couple times. And both times, uh, 
they were like, wait, you're the person who does Vampire Weekday. <laughs> it's kind of fun being a minor internet celebrity. Um, also, and it's also one of those things where Nico and I are both semi-anonymous on Twitter, where we don't have pictures <laughs> in our profile and we don't have our display names as our actual names. So we're talking about the humor in meeting somebody in real life. And it happened to sort of kind of happen to you this <laughs> yeah. weekend, right? We're just kind of like, so, you could, someone you was like, introduce yourself as, do you know Spoltz? And I'm like, who's Spoltz? I've never met him. And they're like, you follow him on Twitter. I'm like, Oh, and it, and it was apparently I knew him as Melky. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, Spoltz. I hope we're not doxing you. I know you're a fan of, I think you've listened before. So shoot me a, shoot me a DM if you get this. Um, no last names. No I think, last names. I think Spoltz might follow the show account, but he definitely follows both of us on Twitter. <laughs> um, so Spoltz, hope you're doing okay. Um, I'll we're, be in South Bend next weekend, so let me know. We're, we're um, going. <laughs> we're, we're going deep into Twitter mutual culture. This here. is really nuts. I mean, once you go deep into internet culture and have a podcast, you're you're right at the bridge of jumping into twitter mutual culture and we we jumped in we we are we are familiar with twitter mutual culture <laughs> yeah so i mean crazy crazy stuff yeah, can happen when you get it up get on that it's especially fun like you said when it's semi-anonymous i mean my account is ratatouille fan account and yeah yours is floyd summer sausage jr yeah so here's so... the thing folks my, my friend of the show will and i have talked about this before it's just you just have to keep posting <laughs> because if you are your authentic self and you have a medium to express, you just have to keep posting. And really, Nico and I, for over a year now, have been posting. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. There was that one time when the undergrads I TA'd found my Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, you have a podcast? I'm like, no, we're not talking about that, guys. <laughs> oh, boy. I hope it'll get doxxed. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, yeah, anyway. Um, and then that second line in the bridge, you wanted rock and roll, complete control. Well, I don't know. So someone reminded me, I don't know much about the early Clash albums, but there is a single from their debut album called Complete Control. Ooh. And we've talked about the Clash with Diplomat's son in detail, uh, but for a number of reasons. The Clash were absolutely leftist in their politics. They were pretty open about it. We talked about how Diplomat's son is kind of sort of maybe about Joe Strummer. Um, and, you know, the Clash... Wasn't were, one of their albums? Sandinista was go. the name yeah. of their... It was like a triple album. Just, and there's a lot of good stuff on there. Um, but, you know, they were kind of at the forefront of this political thing. They were at the forefront of this like really new wave because they started as a punk band, but then when they got to London calling, they really kind of branched out. And so they, they kind of helped formulate the, what became the new wave genre. And so there's absolutely some influence on vampire weekend there. Um, and it's weird because like you look at rock and roll, complete control. Like you can look at rock as this vehicle for social change. You can look at what stuff guys like Bob Dylan did. You can look at what stuff like the clash did. Um, and a number of these other political bands. And you can also look at like bands like Kiss, where it's just like, we're hanging out, we're partying, like ACDC, just kind of like, we're going to rock out. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, we all love to rock out, but I would say the latter definition of rock and roll seems to ally itself more closely with the swimming pools and the two kids and the nice schools. You know yeah. what I mean? I, I might, um, uh, I, I might be given a, 
really hot take here and angering some of our audience, but I think Kiss is one of the most overrated bands of all time. They are absolutely one of the most overrated bands of all time. They really, I don't I mean, really think they should have any place in modern culture. No, it's just the makeup, right? I completely agree. And like, that was their thing is like, they kind of were at the cutting edge of what became like glam rock. Yeah. And it just, it was this big loud sound, you know, a lot of stuff that kind of formulated in the early seventies. I just think if you're looking for hard rock and showmanship and like yeah, actual good music, it is like, and that's a, that's a big deal. Right. But yeah. to say that like Mick Jagger didn't do that, you know, like, that had happened before. You know, like, I don't think they broke a whole lot of ground. No, you don't, you don't want to hear my opinions on the Rolling Stones. Well, no, I think we talked about that off air. Um, I'm a huge Stones fan. Um, but we're not going to do that right now. We're not going to do that right now. Um, yeah, you don't see me with a Kiss poster on my wall. Um, <laughs> Got Grateful Dead, College Dropout, Bruce Springsteen. Felix we do a Felix Rubino live at Legends poster. If we want, we're just getting really into it now. Um. Anyway, verse three: Never pick sides. Never choose between two. Well, I just wanted you. I just wanted you. And then it repeats it. Yeah. Um, and then we end with. I think. Oh well, it says you said never pick sides. Oh that's, yeah, that's a key. So part. that hurts. If you're the guy here, that hurts. If yeah. she said that, and then it's like, actually, wait, I changed my mind. And again, is he, it is it a girl though? Wait, I I thought this was a sequel to Diplomats, and it could I, be. I guess yeah, I, I read it as as that. No, you're right. There's there's there's, there's 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 no there's no absolute sense that it's a girl here. I mean, we assumed it to kind of be in like um, White Sky and Run. Yeah. Um, but. You're right. I should. Yeah, I, should I, I, think, I shouldn't assume that it's good, especially because we do have a song in this album that is explicitly about a homosexual relationship. Yeah. I shouldn't assume that. Um, yeah. I, I. Yeah. I mean, you could read it either way. You could read this as a separate song by Ezra, in which sense that would be a proper read, probably. But you could also read this as, like we said, the sequel to Diplomat's Son. Yeah. I. I still view it more as a sequel to Run. That's just me. Okay. Um, That's fair. Again, but yeah, the fact that in whatever whatever situation here, the other party is saying, at one point said, this is what we're going to do. And then in the span of two months, as we see at the top, says, actually, no. I mean, that hurts. And people are allowed to change their minds. But if this is something you're emotionally invested in, because let's face it, folks, we get emotionally invested in relationships. <laughs> um, it, can be, it can be hard. It can be very hard. Um, so um so anyway anyway <laughs> um so i just wanted you i just wanted you yeah it, it's kind of a heavy line oh it's really heavy because that's personal that's yeah. not even talking about this whole contra thing that's just like i wanted you yeah um and then closes again with the chorus um yeah i think it's a very complete song like yeah this is jumping quickly up my list of songs oh i was because I, I think before this morning i only listened two or three times prior yeah. and it's really really because it's got this cool like almost like lounge singer thing to yeah. it and then all of a sudden we have the 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 drum beat coming at the end and it's like wow it's still fragile but there's more energy to it um it's almost like four and a half minutes long which is like for an mm -hmm. album that's only 35 minutes it's kind of a long track um and yet it doesn't feel too long you know what i mean yeah um, speaking of the lounge singer part 
I do want to bring up the cover that's on, not cover, but uh, performance on YouTube, uh, where Angelique Kijo, um, she's with Ezra and sings this. And so she's a more traditional um, African folk singer, I would say. Mm -hmm. And they definitely bring a lot more of that instrumentation into this uh, version of the track. But she does a phenomenal job. Yeah. Like, it's a great version. And they're so different that I don't even think they're the same song. Like, she's, yeah. I wouldn't compare them, but they're they're both phenomenal. It's less fragile. She's the delivery oh, yeah. stronger. It's funny, before I went to bed last night, I listened to Still Crazy after all these years. And I was thinking if we Afrobeated that Paul Simon song, we kind of arrive at something yeah. not too far from I think you're a contra. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, it's interesting you say fragile because I think a lot of that comes from this is the only song that Ezra sings entirely in falsetto. Yeah, it's way up there. You're right. Yeah, like in live performances, he does, can't do it anymore. Because it's so hard. Yeah. Especially depending on where in the set you deliver that. Like, that's impossible. Yeah. Well, I don't think he can go as high as he used to. Which is understandable. Yeah. yeah. He hit puberty now. Yeah. <laughs> Um, that's the song and it's really good. Like, yeah, I don't know. Like I, I really didn't even think about this song and like, I knew it was there obviously cause it invokes the title of the album, but like, I feel like I just don't think about it that much. And this is really good. Agreed. Big fan. Um, so favorite lyric, I'll go first cause I roll on it. So I'm going to go, you wanted good schools and friends with fools. You're not a Contra. Well, then I'm going to go with you wanted rock and roll, complete <laughs> control. Well, I don't know. Yeah, That's insane. That's I so can't think good. of a better bridge by the Empire Weekend off the top of my head. Maybe Brit Flower Moon? Um, yeah. At least yeah. lyrically, it's the best one. But even just like sound-wise, how it affects the song. Yeah, the only also. thing I can think of is Danielle's delivering Flower Moon. But other than yeah. that, like, yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. Uh, top five. This Life, Stranger. Um, we were recording like two and a half weeks. I <laughs> Unbelievers. Um, White Sky. ladies of cambridge yeah folks if you didn't know we we're kind of banking the ups there for a while we banked because we skipped last we both week. were on vacation for a little bit uh went places on the weekend mm -hmm. so um so yeah we haven't recorded in like a while like i think it's closer to three weeks yeah because we be. we i think we had two banked apps and then we skipped this last week so you're totally right um yeah so my top five will be flower moon um spring snow i think you're a contra oh we'll see, we'll see how long it stays. i we'll thought about it i actually stays. entertained the idea we'll see how long it stays um unbearably white and then there's a song on modern vampires that we've covered that is top five. everlasting arms there we you, go you, everlasting you were putting arms. up there for yeah, a while there yeah we go. um and then our hat for this week um i am pulling out my trusty old reliable notre dame fighting irish hat a faded navy with a gold uh monogram 
Uh, folks, the Fighting Irish last night won an instant classic in a game that maybe shouldn't have been an instant classic. Um, <laughs> had all, but I mean, if you're if, what, if any sort of fan of in football, um, Mackenzie Milton, Mackenzie Milton came back, played a good chunk of the fourth quarter, a guy who had a significant, like seriously career altering knee injury like three years ago. The fact that guy could even walk is a miracle. So this had all the makings of Notre Dame is like the Washington generals of this like, like Disney movie. And somehow they didn't lose, yeah. which is a miracle. Yeah. A win's a win. Winning is hard as some like to say, um, Irish for one and out. Yeah. The scene last night in Kevin's apartment was me like squatting. Was you were squatting in, yeah. in overtime. Yeah, yeah, just squatting right by the screen, just in despair pretty much. Because our initial plan was to record after the game last <laughs> night, and we realized we were just too emotionally drained to deliver something. And thank goodness they won, because even if they, even <laughs> if we waited until this morning, if we had lost, I don't know what sort of mood we'd be in, but yeah. they won. Winning winning is hard, folks. Um it would, it would be wild if, like, through this reference, we find out, like, Mackenzie Milton listens to the pod Could or you something. imagine? He's like, hey, big fan. Thanks for the shout. Yes! <laughs> Good on him, though, yeah. If we have an answer to FSU fans, um, I, as listeners, I just want to let you know that I really despise the university. I don't hate <laughs> you personally. I got nothing against you personally. I'll, I'll but... root for them at Milton. No, and that's the thing. And also, you know, now that we beat them, yeah. they have to – if they go, like, eight and four, all of a sudden it's like, that's a good-looking win. Yeah. Although Mike Norvell should not get off the hook for having fate choose his quarterback. Someone tweeted that last night, and it's like, <laughs> dude, come on. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to let it ride. <laughs> um, so, song for this week. Giving up the gun. <laughs> Nico forgot. Nico forgot I, if paper. it wasn't obvious that Kevin didn't pick a song, Nico Nico forgot <laughs> forgot the paper, and we were just talking yesterday. It's like we we were down to like okay, it feels like we should do either Ottoman or giving up the gun. And I for whatever reason I'm thinking about giving up the gun, and fair we're gonna do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean I thought you were gonna say Ottoman, so, okay, but giving up the gun next week, so. <laughs> So tune in next week to hear us do giving up the gun. Take it easy, folks.